Yep. Hey, everyone. Good evening. <laughs> Hello. How's everyone doing? Hello. Fine. <laughs> yeah, doing it's been well. A, <laughs> been, a, been a good week. Just unmuting my microphone now. Yeah, you're okay. loud and clear, man. All right. Good. So, what's everybody been up to this week, studio-wise or music-wise yeah. or working anything? On, working on some new music, working out some new ideas that I was, I've been thinking of. So, uh, yeah, slowly but uh, very happy. Yeah, getting get, getting where I want to be. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> happy <laughs> regarding that. Yeah, same here. Um, just been tracking as many synth and drum parts and trying to record and record and record and if i'm not working at one particular track at least i'm just trying to build a library of sounds to build from so just been inching away at trying to feel creative through this time same same here yeah. Yeah, same <laughs> just finished uh, like a, a new p and trying to do like this like video game music video thing for it and trying to like test out video more and just like not lose just keeping my sanity and staying as busy as I can <laughs> yeah okay so sorry you're saying music for a video game no I'm not trying to make a video game music video like uh just like oh okay okay yeah okay. just trying to like rework you know the traditional sort of outlook and mindset of music videos I guess okay are you doing yeah. that yourself what? the video video design and stuff um, I do a lot of video work myself, but um, I also started working with like this uh, studio that specializes in like virtual reality, augmented reality, and like just things that I technically cannot do. So I'm just kind of laying it out and then sharing ideas with them. And um, they're called Savage Studio. They just kind of like take it to the next level, do do the things that I I'm, I have no idea. There are these programs like Notch and it's like really high highly advanced programs that I don't have a grasp of. So. Um, always feel like there's some things that are better left with people who understand it more, like people who specialize in video work. So, yeah. Awesome. Cool. That sounds really yeah, interesting. <laughs> that is actually really cool. I myself, and since this lockdown has happened, is actually I've tried to just like hit YouTube and mm -hmm. try to learn new software in other realms other than music as much as, my, as possible. Like Final Cut was one that I, I took a I watched a couple of videos on and was trying to edit some video and learn get get better grasp on that and that's some other application called DaVinci Roll which is like a node-based application similar to React or something just trying to geek out and try to learn stuff while I got time you know yeah DaVinci Roll uh the application uh, it's DaVinci Resolve sorry okay yeah I've, i i've heard from that yeah yeah it seems to be like it's a, it's a little bit light on the editing side but it it, it seems to have a lot of like color correction video mastering type stuff but the effects section is really interesting because it, it's it's node based very similar to reactor where you just have all these little nodes and you can put them in there and draw mm -hmm. and attach lines and do stuff and there's some incredible like, uh, tutorials like so. touch designer yeah exactly yeah yeah okay yeah is it freeware yeah it's absolutely a hundred percent free and i think there's like a like a, a paid version of it which has a bunch of 3D modeling features and VR kind of, yeah. you know, scaping stuff like that. But I haven't jumped into that. I just got the, the free version, which seems to be more than sufficient. So Cool. Sounds great. Yeah. 
Are there any audio yeah, features in there? So can you make it react to, to sound or something? No, I haven't been okay. able to find okay. that because it's it's definitely not as creative in terms of like how Touch Designer is, where it's very much mm -hmm. like audio visual music. It's very much studio level uh, video mastering editing suite type stuff, you know? Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. I've, I've used Title Cut Pro. It's a really good um, software. And something I do because I'm not, you know, professional, like, Oh, you're freezing there. Oh no. You can just screen record it. And so as you're and then you just take the entire recording, chop it up and edit. Uh oh. Ooh. Last week Sophia was the one with um, the least breakups. Yeah. <laughs> and now she's oh, no. breaking up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you broke I, up I, a I bit, just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we got one tiny bit of your, your scent. Maybe you can just repeat mm -hmm. everything you said. Oh, <laughs> oh no oh no well we could no. reboot her router <laughs> yeah I might, I, might, I might try to come back uh, save that thought <laughs> come back to it okay 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 did you disconnect yeah. your modem for 30 seconds and allow it to reboot <laughs> probably should probably should no I'm kidding alright we're I think you're good now. <laughs> yeah, I think you have a good. Yeah. It looks solid now. So yeah. Continue. What were you saying? Ah, oh, this is voodoo. <laughs> this is this, this, indeed, this is voodoo. Yeah. I'm just gonna shut my mouth now, man. Yeah. yeah. I'm cursing everybody. <laughs> okay. Well, what have you been up to? Just continue on with the stream. Yeah, you're back. Okay. Yeah. Just continue with the stream, and I'll I'll fix okay. I'll sort it out. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, I've been I've been in the studio a lot actually. Um, we are doing this uh, um, live stream uh, with um, live improvised live sets every Sunday, under the name of Stay Home Sound System. Uh, yeah. Basically, since the first week of lockdown, we've we've done it um, weekly. Which is very interesting because um, mm -hmm. it's all improvised. Uh, Robin was part of one of them, um, and obviously they're all people who can reach the studio locally. You know, it's like people around uh, the Netherlands, pretty much, um, which is great. You know, I mean, um, it's it's actually quite fun because you talk to so many people. Yeah, we should hit the studio sometime, do something together, and it never happens. You know, because you're always touring, and um, and now is the time to. Um, no, whoever I call is like, yeah, man, I'll show up. We'll do something, you know. It's cool. It's really nice. Yeah, so you had Colin Benders on. Yeah, that was last Sunday, yes. Okay. Yeah, that was cool. I mean, the, um, yeah, he's he's just, a, the you know, the king in improvising with modulars, you know. He's like, yeah. he's really, really flexible. He knows his machine really, really well. And I built um, a drum setup, which is basically I just split it out a 909. Um, you know, just separated all the individual instruments and uh, built a, an effects chain um, behind each output, you know, and mm -hmm. summed it back into a mixer with, you know, with effects and effects coming back on the returns so it could send them back and everything. You know, just a really complex sort of Frankenstein uh, 909 patch. And, yeah, we synced it up and we improvised. You know, no nothing was written before. We just made a patch and we just uh, pressed start and... Um, 
that was it. Yeah, so That's it was awesome. quite fun. It was a lot, a lot of fun to do. How did you manage the sync between the both of you guys? Um, what we did we do? Uh, yeah, I had I have this um, Acme. Um, what's it called? Uh, it's behind me. Acme. Yeah, it's the brand is called SND. It's a German brand, hmm. and the clock is called Acme Four. It's a four-channel clock, and it receives. You can you can have like a, an audio signal, just a pulse, you know, uh, coming yeah. into it from anywhere. Uh, but it, you, you can also have it coming from your door. Okay. So you can you can use your your door as a master clock, or any anything any analog clock basically, just um, any audio clock, and then it uh, turns it into MIDI, DIN sync, and uh, analog clock. Okay. over four channels um and each channel is tunable so you can you can double or half the speed per channel you can chew you can tune the clock you know you can have uh, swing patterns per clock you know you can shift it by 16 step per channel yeah. and you can start and stop it per channel so it's like it's a very flexible thing you know if one of the machines for some reason runs out of sync you know you can just stop and start them and you don't oh, have cool. to re restart the whole thing the whole thing yeah yeah and it and it's cool if you i do a lot of live recordings here you know just uh, jams in the studio with people improvisations and it's it's good that everything is then um clocked from an audio clock which is already running in your door so you can go back and select parts and you don't have to you know find the right place you can just use the measures in in your sequencer hmm. or in your audio sequencer just you know take things out or move things around they're all it'll all be in sync on the grid of your uh, your sequencer so it's a nice tool and if you do overdubs you can compensate for the latency um if you're monitoring via your door with which also has already pre-recorded audio or audio from another session so you can compensate for the latency so you never have to you know deal with the time difference when you're oh doing overdubs or whatever you know so yeah it's it's a cool machine man it's an interest it's an actually an instrument by itself so that was basically running the clock from ableton into this Acme 4 uh, clock and then, you know, to the 909 and Colin's gear and that took care of it. Yeah, cool. just fine. And that's it. Yeah. I got to ask you for a link for that. Um, I use this this company from Australia called SyncGen. Mm -hmm. And uh, they make them in different formats. They make like an external box. They also make a Eurorack version as well. But it comes with an audio units VST plugin that you can install in your DAW. And then you just mm -hmm. use one of the outputs on your sound card and it sends a proprietary time code which yeah. goes into it and then that spits out different time signatures of pulses for cv gate outputs and mm -hmm. also we'll do midi and din sync out too and that's like kept everything in my studio deadlock sync with my daw when i'm working on music all the time okay cool cool never yeah. never heard of that one yeah it's pretty cool is it standalone or is it actually a Eurorack module no they make up they make both of them they make an external box okay. like it's probably about this big and it has i don't know how many cv outputs um and you can invert them and do all that stuff but it doesn't have the stop and start feature like you were mentioning and um it has midi outputs and din outputs but they also make a euro rack version which is the one that i have so mm -hmm. okay yeah. yeah there there are mo there are many solutions for that you know the uh, expert sleeper stuff is um, yeah. can be helpful you know and also the you know sim you know more simply but still very effective you know the Pamela's workout for example you can yeah. you can get MIDI and din sync from that as well um, it's the other way around though but uh, still it works really well yeah. you know um, but yeah it's uh, in the beginning the it was just a 
total hassle to have your, <laughs> you know, your your computer talks to your modular. But now I think it's it's all sorted out. You know, yeah. it's also built into Ableton now with this CV. Um, yeah, as a matter feature. of fact, um, yeah. I just I just jumped into Bitwig myself. Okay. Uh, really? So I'm yeah, using I'm going? I'm using Bitwig 100 percent of the time. I went in kicking and screaming like. The last thing I wanted to do was learn a new DAW. Like I was comfortable using Ableton for a while, and I just wanted to get creative and not have mm-hmm. to run into all the problems of, well, how do I do this now? Because it's different than Ableton. But it's actually not that different from Ableton. The yeah. the learning curve switching from Ableton into Bitwig was minimal. But uh, okay. Luis Flores, who I work on music with quite a bit, switched over to Bitwig, and he's like, I'm never going back to Ableton, so fucking catch up or... Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of forced into it and I jumped in and I I don't think I'll ever look back. And I mean, one of the things that I love so much, it has an integrated grid, something called grid, which you can build. It's another node based thing similar to Reactor or Max MSP. It's probably their solution to Ableton's Max for Live, but you can build your own instruments in there. And then, of course, if you have a sound car with DC coupled outputs, it's super easy to just like send gate outputs and clock CV straight out of uh, Bitwig. So how, it's How similar it's is it to Ableton, Mo? Because it's made by the same engineers who designed Ableton or the people who worked at Ableton, right? Yeah, so it is. Is it synonymous in some ways? or I mean, to me, it's, it's, it was, it's, simp- it's super simple. I mean, it has a very similar uh, feature as Ableton where you're flipping between having the timeline mode and then switching mm-hmm. over and you have the clip mode. So that works almost identical. Um, the only thing that's really particularly different is just like where buttons are, like you know the browsers on the right side instead of the left right, side, and like you know opening up a plugin, the the icon is on the bottom instead of the top, and like when you have mess, mus, muscle memory, like su- super used to Ableton, you always like kind of mess up that stuff. But once you get around it, it the the learning curve is super easy, and it's been great. Yeah, it works really okay. well. Interesting. I assume yeah, none of you guys have tried it yet. Then I've tried it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I got. <laughs> I, I got a, I got a copy sent when it was just um, um, just before it came out, and um, I mean it. It looked really, really comprehensive, and um, um, you know, it, it. The cool thing about new software is always that there's not this legacy thing going on. You know, with yeah. feature features that have been changed over time. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? So it's a really clean start. Um, mm-hmm. And um, but you know I'm I'm uh, yeah I'm I always just want to get shit done and yeah. the way yeah. the way I, w- I I work with with Ableton that's just the thing that I'm using. Yeah. And, I mean I don't yeah. I used to, I used to I come I came from Logic, um, which at some point became uh, a little bit too complicated for my workflow. Mm. Um, it slowed me down kind of. Yeah. And um, and yeah, now recent years I've just been multi-tracking in Ableton. You know, that's that's all I do. So it's all basically yeah. just all hardware mm-hmm. uh, going straight into Ableton as separate tracks, stems. You know, and then yeah. it's um, I sometimes take stuff out of the box. You know, to treat them in the analog domain after it's been recorded. But most you know, or, or you know, a lot of the stuff just stays there as a, as a recording, which gets treated more or less or not. You know. Just keep yeah. things as they as they are. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's a uh, it's a it's a lot quicker for me, you know. Like, no. 
that was that was my I'm primary main concern of switching over as well was i mean just having to learn something new was just going to slow me down in the creative process but i think once i got over the hump um it it was super easy and um I think one of the things that that really helped me transition more than anything was that I started to discover tools that was opening doors and creative ideas for me that I wasn't finding inside of Ableton. And I'm sure there are solutions for it in Ableton, but they have all these little individual modulation nodes that you can add in between any plugin chain inside of yeah that's amazing yeah, yeah. you need max for life to do that in ableton but exactly in bitwig it's it's part of the yeah program. that's, that's what i wanted to say this that's what i'm doing in max for life now i you have this thing called lfo in ableton yeah and i'm using that on if i use stuff from ableton like eqs or filters or whatever i very often use some kind of lfo to manipulate stuff Exactly. Either in a big way or in a small way, but yeah, I uh, I used it a lot, a lot, a lot yeah. at this moment. Yeah, yeah, and they have like LFOs and step sequencers and, and and things that you can really like manipulate multiple different parameters on a VST plugin with just like one individual node. So like it started to yeah. just kind of open up creative doors of weird shit that was happening, and I think that's what inspired me always about using hardware was like you know mm. all these happy accidents that was like oh shit I didn't even mean to do that but that's incredible record it yeah and I haven't had that kind of experience with just software in a long time and I think I rediscovered it with Bitwig so okay that's yeah. cool yeah I feel like that's always a hesitation in like moving forward with new software is like you get so comfortable with I'm still on Logic I guess you made the transition but at some point it just starts setting you back even though you see the like what's missing like in Logic like even basic time stretching it's just never accurate you know and there's like so many deficiencies but you just kind of you just you're you're too uncomfortable to kind of just make the step to just like you know adapt yeah, okay. to a new, new software but I, I do love logic but um yeah definitely i guess you already made the transition yoke i mean what was the thing that kind of like put you over the over the fence of going um, switching to the next one? Oh, i mean uh, I think uh, I, I used it for years and years, you know, and uh, it from from like maybe even before it was called Logic. Is that possible? I don't know what was it, was it coming E-Magic from. Design. E-Magic yeah, design. Yeah, yeah, E-Magic. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like on a um, on a really old Mac, you know, um, and um, yeah, it worked fine, and it, and it sort of uh, developed into you know, it, it didn't even have audio in the beginning. You know, it used to be MIDI only, and. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, at some point, I don't know, it, it, Ableton was announced and I thought, okay, this, this sounds really interesting, especially because of that feature of sort of elastic audio. Yeah. Um, because I was, you know, doing more and more with um, not just, you know, using MIDI file and, you know, making MIDI sequences and sending it out to your hardware, but also, you know, recording it back into your, into your uh, sequencer, basically, into, into Logic. And, it wasn't that flexible at the time, you know, and when Ableton came out, um, it, it sort of, yeah, it just, it was much more flexible. And, um, um, in, in that sense, you know, in, in using with using audio, um, but I must say for a while, especially the earlier versions of Ableton sounded pretty crappy, to be honest, you know, the summing wasn't, wasn't as good as in, in logic or pro tools. And, um, yeah, and um, you know the built-in effects were, you know, they they worked, you know, but they weren't as defined and and um, um, high resolution as as in Logic. So for a while, I recorded stuff and you know wrote stuff in Ableton because it was so quick. You know, you could put things together really quickly. 
and then transfer the stems back to Logic for, for mixing. That's what I did for a while, but it became a hassle. <laughs> yeah. And then I, you know, yeah. So, you know, I mean, I have no fixed way of working, you know, I just yeah. do whatever it, um, you know, whatever seems the best way to do it at the moment, you know, for each project. That's cool. Are you yeah. also using uh, Ableton yourself, Robin? Yeah, I, I uh, let's see, uh, back in the day I started with the MPC because I always, uh, my, my, my goal with making music was always to, to perform it live. That's how I started. I always started playing live. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, I, I, I wanted to like really build tracks uh, using a computer as well. So then I bought a version of uh, MicroLogic that I never really felt comfortable with. And then uh, Ableton came out with version 4, which was the first version that implemented MIDI. Mm. And then I switched to Ableton. And I've been using Ableton ever since in combination with yeah, all, the, all the hardware that I already had and then, yeah, that I have now. And uh, yeah. So I, I'm still really comfortable with Ableton. And lately, especially since the, the whole crisis thing now, I've been really diving into uh, Max for Live as well to see what that can do as well. And yeah, what I said earlier, like, you know, the, the little LFOs on many, uh, yeah, on many aspects of your sound and EQ and all, all that kind of stuff. So uh, yeah, I'm personally, I'm really comfortable with it. Cool. Yeah. By the way, um if anyone who is watching this uh, has any questions directed to us or about the stuff we're talking about, you can comment in uh, the YouTube uh, comment section and then we can we can see it from where we are streaming and then, you know, we can talk about it if yeah. it's any interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, okay. There was one question about yeah. the effects from Andres, about what are the effects that you use the most on your return channels? Yeah, bit bit of delay, bit of reverb, uh, stuff like that. Probably. Is there this a one? Is yeah. there a specific effects chain you use mostly? Hello, mind tricks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I, I still use a lot of effects in the box. Still, um, I don't really have that many external effects processors. Yeah, other me than too. like a handful of of pedals like a, like a blue sky or time factor or something like that mm. which usually I have on the auxiliary sends and returns of my mixer where that all the hardware goes into before it goes into my computer and I'll just add a little bit of a wet signal to certain things um, which obviously causes problems in the future of mixing because it's already printed the audio and I can't like really separate the effects but for the most part um, I just really started to dive deep into uh, Malta Productions plugins. I don't know if you guys are familiar with their stuff. No. What's uh, that? A, a little bit, but uh, go on. <laughs> Maybe I'm giving away a secret weapon over here. <laughs> oh, it's just three other people listening to you, Malta. Yeah, <laughs> um, no, actually, it's funny because Luis turned me on to this stuff too, and. Um, it's it's a whole it's a whole suite of plugins. I think the whole suite on their website is like pfft, almost three grand, but they're incredibly powerful um, effect systems. Uh, Richard Devine also shared a bunch of patches he did with me, and they have a bunch of separate different effects, which are delays and reverbs and 
compressors and distortion and there's like multi-band compressors and multi-band delays spectral delays all kinds of different stuff but then there's like a another application that they have which is it seems to be redundant but another node-based thing where you can build your own entire uh, um, effects chain which is uh, the stuff that i've been getting out of it sounds like alien other world stuff so it sounds amazing how's the sound quality sounds great Okay. It's really, really high end. Uh, if you guys get a chance, check out their website. Um, so I could sell my appetites then. Well, I mean, if you want to sell them to me at a discount price, I'll buy them off you. <laughs> I've always wanted an H8000. I just never could take the plunge and buy one. Yeah. Well. Um, yeah, I will. Yeah, I, I, I love, I love the hardware. You know, the big appetite boxes. You know, yeah. but especially for the reason that you can you can completely make your own change, you know, inside the machine. I must mm -hmm. say I have a DSP 4000 and an H8000 and still my 4000 is, I th in my ear, sounds more pleasant to my ears, you know. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's a little bit more grainy than the 8000 and um, sits in the, in the audio spectrum a little bit more um, nicely. I mean, everything you put through these things sounds instantly mega expensive you know what i mean it's yeah. it's uh okay it's it's an instrument you know it's like it's, it's it's sound source rather more more than just only effect machines you know you can you can have things you know go on forever and you know the the patches you can make are too, you know it's just insane it's they're, they're really really nice sounding machines hmm. and you can it's easy to manipulate them with midi as well um sort of to automate parameters and or sequence them it's really really cool um but yeah i mean the so this this effects that you're talking about is also node based. That's that what you, that what that's what you're saying. Yeah, there's a there's kind of I don't know their flagship plugins, so to speak, um, is node based, where it allows you to actually take individual elements of each of their um, individual effects plugins and kind of combine them to build your own effects chains. Um, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. It's quite complicated in terms of math, but um, Mm -hmm. It seems to be very powerful. All right, isn't there a new version of the of the Eventide as well? The I think the so. The nine thousand. Yeah. You, has anybody ever played with one of those yet? No. Uh, no. <laughs> no. 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 I, I don't see the reason to have another another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, it's probably a lot more. You know, there's probably lots lots of things that are upgraded or are better about it but um um i don't know it's uh i, I haven't touched uh, you know a tiny sliver yet even though i have owned them for years you know what i mean they're they're endless machines yeah um but to get back to the question of uh, mind tricks um um so yes eventides but um actually one of uh, one of favorite trick i like to do um uh, it's not a you know a massive secret but it's um I don't use I don't actually use return channels. I just put them into channels, you know, just like the normal channels, because then you have, have your auxiliaries um, there to put effects on effects or even send them back to themselves, you know, to get sort of feedback loops and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's something I, 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 I'm quite keen of doing, you know, so you can mm -hmm. do like endless. You can have like one rim shot and then just have like an hour of composition mayhem shit going on just by having one take as a sound source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so how are you accomplishing yeah, this? I'm sorry, say that again. You said you were using the returns as a as another send? No, um, 
the you 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 know in a in a sort of conventional mixer oh, configuration. I know what you're yeah. talking about. You're you talking put, about using the auxiliary yeah, you put sounds the, on a the, return the, channel. The, the sound is coming back from the, yeah, yeah. Sounds coming back from the from the um, effect processor into a return channel, and yeah. usually they are less you know less fully featured than a normal channel. Um, or at least on some mixers, you know, um, yeah. on most mixers, they, yeah. So, so if you put them on on a normal regular channel, you have all the auxiliary sends um, available and the EQs yeah. and you know panning and stuff. So you can you can send everything back to itself or make sort of like a matrix kind of yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, you know. Um, yeah, I like working with effects in the box as well, Mo, because I feel like having more control over it. And from a mixing standpoint, I always feel like using outboard, just things just get overdriven and just it's just easy to get lost in this argument of like, you know, analog or, you know, in the box. But I yeah. even sometimes like stock plugins like Delay Designer and Logic is super powerful. Like there's so much you could do yeah. in it and to have oh, that yeah. level of control in the mixing process, like it's really fun when you're jamming, but then when you come back and you're like, oh, I got to mix all this down, it's like not so fun anymore, you know? So mm. having that kind of vision beforehand, I think allows like greater control later on in the process, which is nice. I, I, I have a bit of the same. Uh, I, I use a lot of effects in the box, but if I use effects, I pay a lot of attention to how I use the effects. Yeah. Or if I use just like, you know, the, the simple EQ8 in Ableton, uh, some people say it sounds great. Some people say it, it doesn't sound great. But I, I just pay a lot of attention on on how I use it. Yeah. And as long as I, I, I do that, then I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's yeah. To 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 me, it sounds pretty good. Absolutely. I've actually never used this delay designer. Is that like a proprietary uh, Logic plugin? Am I glitching out? No, 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 no. no. <laughs> uh. Oh no! <laughs> go, go on, go on without me. <laughs> we, we hear you now. We hear you now. That's the yeah. most important. Yeah, it's just a stock plugin. I guess I can Google it. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's quite powerful, especially like on drum racks. It's, it, like the effects are um, very impactful. Ah, cool. All the things you miss. Actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, yeah. The, there are some things, you know, the, in Logic, like the there's this drum machine. What's it called again? I forgot. I forgot the name. But there Ultra was v. this. Uh, yeah, Ultra that v. that was that's a really powerful thing as yeah, well. It's, it's a drum synth. It's, it's a drum synth. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Have you used that? I yeah, haven't. I, I use oh, it regularly. Use it. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, okay. I love it. Yeah. Um, there was another question also from I guess. Defect is, is he said. How has your production changed during lockdown, if if at all? Here we go. I guess you had several questions. Hello, defect. Has <laughs> <laughs> uh, it for you, Sophia? Um, well, I haven't been in my studio for six months, so I've just been doing everything from my computer. So it's definitely changed. Um, I yeah. think we discussed this on the last call. It, in some ways, like we were saying before, limiting what you have available, your resources, kind of pushes you to be more creative. But you know, your eyes get strained, and there's only so much you can do within, like, within a certain um, like mm -hmm. limitation. But um, but so for me, definitely. But I've just been getting creative. I've been like field recording a lot more. But that again, that's just like 
reinserting in sound design. There's a, with, even within that, there's only so much processing of sounds you could do until you just miss some gear and you miss your setup and you miss proper speakers. I haven't even had speakers in six months, so it's been oh, like, geez. I've had to kind of go to people's studios. But honestly, sometimes like, you know, you just start to learn the math, you know, just like your mixes actually, the mixing process, you actually start to get kind of more developed, like different uh, sort of knowledge of because you start to look at it more mathematically, like, and you start to mm -hmm. understand like EQing from a different standpoint versus just trusting your ears sometimes. And it's a challenge, but it, it also helps you kind of um, like rework your, your mindset, I guess. Talking about field recording, uh, Sophia, I, is it possible that I heard field recording stuff on your on your album and uh, I think she's frozen again uh, <laughs> I hope you get this oh yeah yeah okay you're yeah, yeah she, she, um, she gets it yeah because I I, he I hear a lot of um, you know mic things I think or maybe that's just uh, or, or are they just uh, samples you got somewhere else or is it did you actually use field recording techniques for your your uh, album yeah like 99% of it was field recorded, like That's almost awesome. everything was built from scratch. Um, like, I mean, I went back and I like looked at like all the VHS videos from my family and I was just using like even just like noise from it and just regenerating it. And um, and then even like the mic techniques, was, I just got a little bit like got a bit deep, too deep into it at some points, but just like, you know, standing at different parts of like the room and just. <laughs> Oh no, you got me at the end of my chair. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> well, I think somebody else should answer these questions. <laughs> okay. I keep getting cut out. I don't know. No, it's no, no, my I connection. I like um, yeah, sorry. No, no, okay, let, let's no try, let's try one let's try it one more time because I'm I'm curious what you use yeah. as, you know, for mics or, you that's, know, as a that's as a recorder. Exactly what I was about to ask. Yeah, yeah. Well. yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah. So like a lot of a lot of things I would just like re-record it. So like I would take like something that I was playing through, let's say even an iPhone, and just re-record it through like a task cam that was re-recorded through something else. Oh. Yeah, maybe maybe um, Sophia should just reconnect. You know, drop out and reconnect. Yeah. Anyway, so Mo, have you have you done that as well? Because. Um, because you were curious about what mics Sophia was using. Yeah, I mean, not extensively. It's something that I've been always incredibly interested in doing, but I haven't really had the time to jump into it as deeply as... I mean, I don't have a, a huge library of microphones, but just not okay. long ago... Have you heard of this company called LOM? L-O-M? I no. hear some it's... Yeah, they they make, a, they make a bunch of little... I wouldn't say toys, but just little devices... Um, they make it like an electromagnetic microphone where you can actually just record okay. um, different little sounds off electronic things like hard drives or anything like that, or even off your phone. Oh, is it is it this Canadian company who also do contact mics and stuff? Yeah, they do. Um, the, okay. the electromagnetic microphone they did was called the Electrocoosh or Electrosloosh or something like that. Mm -hmm. And I bought one of those and I got on their mailing list and then they sent out another one that they sent the, they just created these little microphones, um, I'm trying to look up the name. They're called micro Uzis. And they're really tiny condenser microphones with low noise that you okay. can slide into really, really small places. They're incredibly small. And I've been meaning to just like put together 
a little field mission to go out there with my little Zoom H6 or something and mm. drop these. They come with a really long cable, so I wanted to like put them down drain pipes or something and just try to record stuff. And they record stuff, yeah. I haven't had a chance to do it, but it's something that I've kind of really been inspired by. So when Sophia brought it up, I was just like, yeah, I want yeah. to know more about what you're using and what kind of microphones. Right. Yeah, it's it's been on my list for ages. I mean, I've, I've got some, uh, feel, you know, like the Sony, what's it? I don't even know the thing, you know, the, it's the one that Richard uses, you know, the Sony field recorder. Yeah. It's a very portable thing. Um, and uh, mm. and I've, I've experimented, experiment, experimented with... Um, with mics, you know, micing things in the studio, just micing speakers and micing rooms and have a speaker blast stuff into a room with lots of reverb and micing that, you know, and, and stuff like that I've done. But I mean, it's a whole another world, man. There's yeah, hydrophones, you know, contact mics, um, yeah, too. you know, like, you know, um, how do you say that? Like uh, binaural mics, uh, yeah. you know, there's so much stuff out there that, that you know, maybe maybe uh, because of the lockdown, we'll get a chance to to dip, <laughs> to dip into it. But um, but yeah, it's been it's been on my list for a while to, to it, get a bit it, more into it, that. It depends a bit what you yeah what you're aiming for to record as well. I think because uh, a couple of years ago, I I released an album where I collaborated with live musicians. So it's not uh, uh, it, well the the beats were electric. But for the rest, there were people that were singing and rapping and it and all. And of course, we used a lot of different mics for that. But to record a violin or another snare instrument that was, you know, we used completely different mics than for, for a voice, for example. Hmm. And uh, then we also started to do some, uh, some field recordings. And uh, one of the things we, we recorded was... Uh, we wanted to have an organ, so we went to a cathedral here because we wanted to record an organ. And uh, Jochem, I think I told you that a long time ago. And mm -hmm. uh, so we had uh, two mics, one near the organ and one like 30 meters into the cathedral on the, on the big pole. And, and yeah, and, and, and that's how we recorded it. So I think it, it doesn't only... Uh, Maybe it doesn't even matter so much what kind of mic you have, but also like you know, yeah, there's so much possibility to, uh, yeah, yeah. What, what you can do with it, you know, so many different things. Yeah, I be, before uh, nine eleven, I was my mm -hmm. full time job was working in recording studios, and um, I, I was kind of a low level position in the studio. Yeah. tracking bands and, and, and musicians who are coming into the studio. So there was a main ah, engineer cool. who, who was all a part of, um, you know, mixing and EQing and, and, and yeah. mastering all the tracks were recorded. But my job was to basically come in and set up all the microphones on the drum sets, okay. and, you know, in the uh, vocal awesome. booths and everything. So cool. that studio that I worked with, worked at had like an extensive library of yeah. microphones. Like, you know, we put RE twenties on the, on the kick drums and, you know, dynamic microphones on the snare drums and have overhead condenser microphones to record the room and all that stuff. And um, they, the, they, do you guys have those Neumann mics as well? Like yeah. uh, those, uh, I've, yeah. I've, I've seen them from like, you know, maybe like uh, $4,000 or something like that. Crazy. Yeah, I actually still have a Neumann TLM 170. Seriously? Okay. Awesome. Um, which awesome. I got from that studio. They actually donated it to me. But um, okay. Yeah, so. I was I was about to bring up you know I have friends who are photographers and and they 
and a lot of there's a new service i don't know about worldwide but in los angeles there's this company where it works in a similar fashion to like how netflix used to work where you pay like a service in a, a monthly and you can go and you can rent a specific camera lens mm, and oh, right. you could use that lens for whatever shoot you do and then you just return it and you get another one when you bring it back and you can swap them out constantly for like a monthly okay. service and i was thinking like that'd be a great idea actually for a company for, to do for, for microphones absolutely yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I would I would be surprised if that doesn't exist. Yeah, maybe it does. Maybe I got to research it a little bit, but <laughs> <laughs> And if it doesn't, you know, yeah. yeah. Let's go into business. I, I mean, I yeah, mean yeah. All, all those all those mics come come with their own flight case anyway, you know, yeah. if you have a good mic, so yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. Is awesome. Sophia back with us now or is she still frozen? Can you hear us? No, I'm not frozen, but I'm going to stay a little bit quiet because my connection but, is just poor. I'm out in Georgia, and the connection is really the last. But we, <laughs> I wanted to say we can hear you well. Yeah, you guys can just kind of okay. continue. I'll chime in when I can, but okay. don't want to delay the conversation. Okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> I wish I was in the Georgian mountains. <laughs> yeah. Actually, <laughs> it's, like it's funny. Yeah, it's funny because the last time I spoke to Sophia, I was in Berlin. I was just about to come out to to your studio, Joachim, and and it was right before the lockdown. I was about to fly back to L.A. and I remember I had talked to Sophia. She was saying she was trying to find a flight back, and it seems like I got out of Europe and back into the states, and she didn't. So. No. And now here we are. <laughs> now here we are. Yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah, it's good you yeah. got you managed to get out. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I finally found a flight back, but yeah. It's funny that you, that I say like I made it out, but I feel like it's like the other way. Like I was flying into the fucking shit zone instead of actually like <laughs> you know, going back to safety. It's like ah, we're flying into the war. Yeah, it was two weeks behind, right? Yeah, it's sort of, yeah, yeah. I think so too. Yeah. 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 Wow. So, any other questions? Uh, I think there are some suggestions for microphone uh, okay. rental services. Um, yeah, thanks for the suggestions. We'll, well uh, there you go. <laughs> uh, we'll check it out. So, yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Joachim, are you yeah. still using the Kima system? Um, Kima, yeah. Um, I haven't had it. I haven't got it set up right now, but it's still. I still have it. Yeah, and. Um, um since i've been in this room i've played around with it uh again a couple of times but um yeah it's one of these things that you have to really sort of dedicate time to um and get what, into it what kind of but system what does it do kima kima yeah. system it's um it's a dsp uh system which has an external hardware processor so basically you have an interface on mm -hmm. your mac or pc which which is very similar to for example reactor or max msp so it's like node based you know you just connect okay. stuff um and then you build your own instruments the the elements are a bit more fully featured than in in max msp you know they're actually you know mm -hmm. like ready to use oscillators or filters or whatever uh, but there's all these really uh, exotic things as well like morphing uh units and um you know uh, time stretching things, you know, FFT, all that sort of like really um, demanding DSP stuff. That on a computer, if you would just run it on a on a on a normal computer, it would 
kind of break it up, you know, would mm -hmm. cause artifacts because it's so processor in uh, intensive. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the hardware takes care of the processing. So basically, yeah, um, yeah you run it from, from your computer and, and it interfaces with absolutely everything, you know, you can use, okay. uh, yeah, you can use nunchucks or, you know, like <laughs> all kinds of really sort of exotic input uh, devices to, to, mm. to influence what's going on there. Um, it's used a lot in um, in the academic world as well as in the sound design, sound design world. You know, like pe people who sound, make sound design for for movies or you know adverts or special effects and stuff like that. A um, few of the famous examples are like the, the voice of Wally or um, you know Star Wars, the Star Wars sound effects. There's Kima's heavily involved in that kind of stuff. But you can also use it in a more structured, you know, time signature, time based. Uh, method that's got a timeline you can make entire compositions within the system um, okay wow but it sounds very very detailed it's like the it it almost sounds analog even though it's digital it's it's got a very warm present sound you know very big bottom end not you know the highs aren't, aren't so harsh because if you for example if you go to in, if you get into granular synthesis for example in um in most granular uh apps on on a computer mm. or an ipad or whatever um if you go to extreme settings you you get some this kind of harshness into your sound you know yeah true. um same is true for fft um and um in kima it it just remains very very solid and very uh mm. full-bodied you know it, it the sound is just unparalleled it's just amazing um, um but yeah i'd love to get back into it but it's just not in my uh, system at the moment as as part of my workflow is it also yeah. i mean it's not just sound generating um synthesizers and stuff i mean you could also do effects processing with it and other stuff as well yeah i've never played with it myself i've been super interested in it though I just... yeah um well it's worth having a look i don't there's the, the there's a community um of of users which is very helpful but there's not actually um a lot of examples online you know there there are examples but they're more like demo stuff it doesn't really give mm -hmm. you the full full picture of what it's capable of you know yeah um and it's got a steep learning curve so it's uh, it's something you you don't want to check out for just an afternoon you really have to to spend a week with it before you actually um get the picture you know get yeah. get your head around what it's capable of um, um but yeah i mean it's 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 it, for me the 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 thing that makes it interesting is that you do all these really exotic um, sound processing things that would normally become very glitchy and very, um, uh, you know, easy to to become, you know, harsh or, you know, unpleasant sounding on 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 a PC or a Mac, you know. So it's um, it's a very very solid sounding machine, very solid sounding. Um, thing wow. it's it's yeah it's it's it sounds cool. it blows me away it's, it's it's almost like you're listening to an eventide you know it's like a really okay. rich and expensive sounding very mm -hmm. detailed very present um that makes it a joy to work with because whatever you do you take it to any extreme or you know how how crazy your your you, manipulations you know, it's, it's, it, are it, it sounds can, great yeah, yeah. It, it keeps up with uh, with whatever you do yeah it doesn't that never it never goes into a into a direction where you think oh, okay now it's breaking up now it's finally giving yeah. in but it never does that and how does it Ooh. interface with your computer is it like with a pci card or is it usb firewire yeah I mean, firewire yeah the okay. version i've got is firewire i think they have, have uh, thunderbolt versions too now but it 
basically, uh, Kima used to be a, a massive, big 19-inch rack mount uh, piece of kit. And you had to buy your interface cards, um, whether it would, it would be digital or um, you know analog interfacing. You could buy all these separate cards to interface with the outside world. But now what they've done is they made a really small box, which is called the Pacarana. And um, uh, they just have two Firewire connection on, on the back you know so you can you can connect it to your computer on firewire to to run the software to communicate mm -hmm. with uh, with the with the hardware sounds super interesting and you buy an external sound card um which is compatible there's uh, i think there's about you know not, not every sound card is compatible but you know most of them are um so you buy a firewire sound card um to your spec basically and then just connect it to to the the box, and it takes care of the I/O. So I had I wow. assume that the Fireface UFX would be compatible with it, right? Um, actually, I'm using I'm using the uh, Motu twenty four eight, and I'm not using the I I, I really dislike the AD converters in that, but I use it with uh, via uh, ADAT straight into the into oh, the cool. computer. Yeah, so it's there's it's actually the digital sound. You know, there's no conversion going on between. The box mm -hmm. and and uh, the computer. Talk about okay. nerd talk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay, That's there's awesome. a there's a, a related question. So, Pacarano or Capybara? Well, Pacarano for me because the Capybara is the is the old version, the one I talked about, the the build the really big hardware. I don't. I, I've never used one. But it's. Mm -hmm. um, I don't see the reason. I see a reason to use it uh, because it's 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 much bigger, less powerful, and um, or, you know it's like it's like the old version, um, and it's it was way more expensive as well. It, it's actually quite affordable now. I think it's like the whole. Oops, I think the whole um, the whole system is uh, it's like something like four grand, which is not cheap, but it's uh, it's you know doable people like us spend money like that sometimes you know what i mean <laughs> <laughs> on stuff on stuff yeah true well some people like to buy expensive shoes and some people like to buy synthesizers yeah e exactly yeah <laughs> yeah okay, let's see if there are, are any other interesting questions going on some favorite effect pedals that's a nice that could be a nice one luke zander Hello, Luke. Um, you you mentioned that you are you have a, a box of full of guitar pedals. So what's yeah the Strymon Big there? Sky Strymon Big Sky has been my thing. That shimmer just lots effect. of reverb. <laughs> yeah, that shimmer is incredible. I, I I don't know if anybody's familiar with the Hypoxia Ambient project that I do on the modular stuff, but. I send that modular into my my big sky, and I'd hate to admit it, but I feel like the music is like sixty percent the big sky more than it is actually. Okay. Oh wow! Modular. Oh, but that, just, that's fine. You know, yeah. if it sounds as you want and and all, that's 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 perfectly fine because yeah, it's uh, just uh, super lush and beautiful. Okay, uh, a good pedal is an instrument in itself, huh? Yeah, for sure. So that that takes the cake currently off the top of my head. Okay. Well, I've, you, I've, you, okay, sorry. Uh, well, I've I've been 
I'm not really a big user of pedals here, but uh, a while ago I uh, I heard the, a pedal working on a TR909, which is a French pedal. It's called the Oto, OTO Machines. Uh, oh, the yeah. pedal is, is the Boom. And I was really, really, really impressed in the, uh, with that. So, uh, yeah, one of these days, that's, uh, that, that's, that's right now on the top of my list to, uh, to get. That's the same I've... company that makes the biscuit, right? The the auto uh, yeah. auto biscuit. Yeah, yeah the same yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. They're really they're these really nice uh, square boxes, and uh, there's a reverb, a delay, and um, a compressor slash warmer. Maybe there's a fourth one. I don't know, but um, I I own the 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 distortion slash compressor or whatever it's called. It's I don't I don't. They all have their individual name, but it's it's the red one basically. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I have the delay, which is the blue one, and um, they are very very characterful boxes. You know, they 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 are very usable. Um, mm. They sit really nicely in the mix. You know, they they do they do they do very simple things, but they do it really well. And um, uh, settings can be very extreme, um, and uh, you know, so you you can get like really crazy shit out of it. Uh, but it all sort of stays within uh, a very nicely audible range you know like yeah. uh, it doesn't it doesn't scream or anything it just it just it just remains a very pleasant and very usable yeah i like them it's really cool yeah it's really really nice stuff i mean highly I have, programmable i have a huge box of pedals because in, in nature i'm a guitar player but mm-hmm. it's funny how the large amount of pedals that i have for my guitars don't really translate well to electronic music all the time a okay. lot of distortion boxes is just it just turns it into mush in general. And I found mm. that when it comes to drum machines and synthesizers, um, I use one distortion unit, which is actually a Eurorack module. Okay. It's made by Dopefer. It's a really, really old one called the 12-stage Vactral Phaser. Okay. And this thing has probably by far been one of the most sonically pleasing hardware distortion units I think I've ever used. Mm, wow. Yeah, it's okay, got um, it got twelve individual stages inside of it, and you can actually patch internally inside the module alone, and the feedback that just comes out of it, it's mind blowing. You really got to try it. The, the problem is, is that it's a really old dope for module, and it's really deep. So a lot of mm-hmm. modern cases that people have these days that are kind of really shallow, it doesn't it doesn't fit anymore. Of, yeah. yeah. And I really hope that someone like takes a look. I don't know if Dopefer is still making them or not, but people should really, really take a good look at this module because it's it's unlike anything I've heard before. Okay, interesting. Cool. Let's give uh, Sophia a chance. Is she back with us now? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. If I can, hopefully it can last my connection. Um, guitar pedals. I I use uh, Octavius Octopus quite frequently, um, but it kind of. <laughs> Oh no. <laughs> Georgia like, 10 points. I feel like break dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we okay. Try. Yeah, okay. So, yeah. Well, do you have any favorite Robins? Robin? Well, what, what I said, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it. Auto machines. I use some boss stuff here, but, but not a lot anymore. Like the. The uh, digital delay, the DD7 one, 
which is the classic one, yeah. Yeah, but but you know, uh, these days I'm I'm also using my Zone DB4 mixer as an effects unit in my studio, and I can do a lot of stuff with that as well because the effects in there are really really good. Cool. The Zone DB4 DJ mixer. Yeah, so cool. yeah, that's basically taken the place at the moment for uh, for pedals because cool. I have yeah four channels and I can route one sound through all the four channels through the matrix in my mixer, so I can use like you know several effects from that mixer on on the sound. So yeah, yeah. Well, Mo, you you told me that uh, you just said that uh, using effects pedals in in electronic music context can some you know is very difficult. Uh, because you, it meshes up your your sound, you know, it makes it mushy or too. It's it's like uh, almost too much. Yeah. But you can also do it in parallel. You know, you can just feed something. You can split the signal and use the yeah. original sound and have, have. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that in that way, it, they they sometimes become usable. You know, um, I've got a bunch of pedals which have basically a whole chain of effects in them. You know, like uh, delays and you know detuners yeah. and. Um, you yeah. know, glitchy, glitchy stuff, and then um, and then distortion, uh, you know, like you know, crazy shit. But you know, anything you put into it is it almost doesn't matter what you what your source signal is. It always sounds yeah. the same, or not not the same, but it it just becomes this one big wall of sound, you know. Um, but you know, using using that uh, parallel to the original signal is sometimes can can sometimes work very well. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I just find that there's some distortion pedals that just seem to just block music, or you just get like, you know, it's just like yeah. square wave. Yeah, <laughs> just maxes <laughs> Okay. And, I mean, there's. I find that there's more. There's some pedals that that handle the dynamics of of a drum machine or a synthesizer better than others. But it seems out of my collection of guitar pedals, like I I have a lot of old Boss pedals too, like Metal Zones, and mm-hmm. which is like. The MT5 is that one guitar pedal that every guitar player loves and hates at the exact same time. And, okay. you know, <laughs> a series of different fuzz pedals and stuff like that. And, and some of them you can get some really good dynamic sounds out of. And then there's just some pedals that it falls short yeah. for me. But it could be just being me. I don't know. Maybe I hand it to you guys and you make magic with it. So. Well, I like the. Pro- I like. The, I, you're right. They're not there. You, on, on electronic sources, they, they can be very. Um, you know uh crude you know yeah. but mm. it is it it is a fun way i like i like the process i think that's what i like about it you know i just like the outputs of a drum machine or a synth oh, and no. I just uh, make chains of stuff uh, am i breaking up now yeah are you in the mountains of georgia too yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh fantastic Oh no! Yeah, don't, no, don't know. Fine. It's happening. It's happening okay. to everyone. You're fine. You're fine. You're coming through clear. <laughs> I think the whole internet is broken these days. You yeah. know, everybody's yeah, pro- everybody's streaming. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, past a certain time, it starts to smooth out. But yeah, everyone. But yeah, I, I, what I said it was I like I like I like the process. You know, of using pedals. Mm. Um, they can sound they can sound very crude sometimes, but um, it's just fun to split out a drum machine or or some some sound source and just make chains of of stuff happening and it gives you instant access to so many parameters you know uh, which could radically radically change your sound with just yeah. a few twists and of knobs yeah. you know which which i think which is which is fun you know it's a very quick way of um, you know going from one extreme to the other in 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 a just a handful of 
um, changes, you know. And um, yeah, I think that's um, I like that process. But it's yeah, it, it does it does become very uh, wall of sound ish very yeah. quickly. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's yeah. I think that's um, I think a lot of us I don't know maybe you guys can relate to it or not, but probably went through a phase at some point where you go from back from software to hardware, software to hardware over the decades and um i don't know in this new resurgence that maybe popped up in the last 10 years or so where hardware is kind of like becoming more and more popular than it was in the mid 2000s or early 2000s Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people discovered that the process was half the fun of making music in general absolutely Yeah, yeah absolutely and uh i think when you're in the box all the time and working on a computer you can kind of lose touch of that because at the end of the day, really, like none of this is is needed. You know, we have this stuff because we want it. I don't think we necessarily need it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Gear lust. Yeah, and um, <laughs> if yeah. you have a computer and a couple plugins, you can make music just as well and experiment and have fun with it too. But I think the tactile, physical product, holding in your hands and experimenting and kind of the process of making music and interacting with an instrument brings out a whole new level of creativity. That's well, I, I think, think it's. So. It, it's yeah. also in the relation you have with your instrument because uh, a screen is a screen is a screen, you know, and you, you don't re- really develop a relationship with uh, with it because, um, you know, and, and also the physical pro- pro- process is different because if you use hardware, um, you, you tend to, you know, walk around a, li- a lot more and, you know, uh, move a little, you are more animated as opposed to sitting behind a screen and just watching in one direction all the time, having yeah. your finger click away. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I've I've done entire albums or productions inside the box, you know. But um, um, yeah, I, it's it's a more romantic version of the the same process. If you are working with cables and you know, yeah. <laughs> moving things Absolutely. around, you know, working yeah. with your hands, you know, you feel like you have more control. And it's and it, in a, in a way, it is more instant. It is quicker to get something done. Um, because there's a tactile relationship with uh, with the machinery, and and that can yeah for me it helps to get things done quicker. You know, you don't get lost in you know the millions of options you have in in inside the computer. Certainly, um, having the limitation is is a very helpful thing for me sometimes. Yeah, yeah. And Robin, you mostly perform live, correct? Like with. Well, th- that's how I started. You know, yeah. I, I I always wanted to play live, you know, like a live act in, uh, you know, techno music. So that's how I started. And I've been doing that for, let's see, six, I, I've been solely doing that for like 17 years. And then I started doing uh, hybrid sets as well, like uh, in my live environment, but then also with music uh, from other people as well. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing that for only since 2017. So, uh, but before that, I only I, I only played live, yeah. Hmm. And I never had the, the urge to uh, to 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 DJ or to play vinyl or something. I, I've, sure. I've I've never had it. I only wanted to work with. Uh, yeah, with the machines and yeah, and improvise in a, in a live environment. That's super cool. That's what I. Uh, that's that's how I started. Yeah. Are you still doing this um, belief defect thing with um, Louise? Yeah. Um, 
How's that going? More than anything, I think it's kind of one of our primary focuses. I think uh, I spend the largest majority of the time working on music for that more than anything. Um, we're currently working on a second album. Um, cool. I don't think there's a release date or a finish date anywhere in the works, um, but we have quite a bit of material ready. This uh, lockdown thing and the whole coronavirus thing is presenting a huge issue because Luis is in Berlin and I'm here in L.A. And uh, we don't really we don't really finish things unless we're in the same room. We can work on right. material separately, but the, it doesn't actually come together and finalize in, until we're together. So um, I think hopefully in the future, if I can get back over to Europe overseas or if he comes back here to the States, then then uh, there will be a, a better projected outlook towards things. But I, I found it to be a, a very rewarding experience for me to work on music outside techno lines and kind of experiment mm. with things. It's, it's been an incredibly fun process and, and really well received by people too. So I'm happy for it. That's good because that's, that, that's not always the case. You know, I think, I think it's, it's very true for all of us here that we have, um, you know, fans in the, you know, the club scene world where we perform as DJs or live acts or whatever. And, um, but we all, all, also have our side projects or mm. you know the albums we do or you know uh stuff we record in the studio which is actually very very different from uh, what people who know is from seeing us as as you know djs at festivals or whatever yeah um, yeah. um and, it, and it's good to hear that um that that album was received very well do you think it's uh, do you have a feeling that it's uh uh, that it reached the same people uh, or did you tap into a different kind of scene with that? Um, I think we tapped into a different scene because when we first released the album, we never mentioned to anybody that it was us. And I think people, yeah, okay, yeah. I think people had a misinterpretation of that. I think they thought we were trying to be some sort of elusive um, project where you don't know who it is and it's this big secret but i don't think that was <laughs> that wasn't really the plan i think the plan was for us to put out music not attached to us so there's not any preconceived ideas of what yeah. it should sound like and what it shouldn't sound like and if we're disappointing people who've listened to our music in the past so on so on um we put it out on raster which was a great platform because i mean they already have a a huge outreach already to a very experimental market Mm. And um, it wasn't until we actually started performing live that people, I mean, we weren't wearing masks. It's not like we came out with like a, a ski mask <laughs> on our face or anything. So <laughs> it's like, you know, we came out, people were like, oh, shit. Like, you know, that's Trump cell or Luis or whatever. And then the, it got leaked, but it was never really a secret in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I think um, we just wanted it to naturally happen. And I think because of the way we released it and the way it was naturally put out, I think we found a market of its own, mm -hmm. you know, by itself. So, mm. um, as a matter of fact, a lot of the market that listens to the record has probably never even heard of any music I've done before anyways. So, yeah, that must be true for you too, uh, Sophia, because your album is, um, uh way more adventurous in terms of you know musicality than than you know like it's yeah. not like a dj friendly music it's uh yeah. it's music music <laughs> yeah it's kind of scary like to be honest like putting it out under your own name because you always feel like 
you don't know how it's going to be received, you know, and I kind of purposely did that as well because I didn't, I feel like if you kind of, like as over the, you know, I'm quite younger compared to, to you guys, you know, so over the course of my long-term career, I kind of wanted to like look back and be like, okay, you know, I've, I, this this was all done by me, you know, and how I knew that my, like, logically it doesn't really make sense, you know, from an audience standpoint because I think people, you know, can't consume all of that. It's too much information to go from like techno to something completely experimental and it's overload, but I feel like, you, sometimes having like less listeners is better than having like all of the wrong listeners, you know. So I kind of, if that meant like mm. jeopardizing some some demographic, then it's better, you know, for me because in the long term, it's not what I was really. Go- I'm going for something else, I guess, you know. But mm. but definitely, it fits into a totally different. I'd, and 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 even within that, it was so like down the rabbit hole of just like it was just like none of it made sense. Like there was like the time signatures were all off. Like everything was just like just chaotic you know and it was kind of purposely done but I kind of also knew that pe- people weren't necessarily going to be able to digest it that easily but um but it was always like an interesting topic to me it's actually something I would love to ask you Mo is like obviously like you know you've you've had so many projects and like as a producer making that shot like making that call as, in terms of when you decide to do something under your own name or you know when you decide to just branch off and because in a way, that also can you're you're also taking away from the audiences that could listen to that, knowing that it's you, you know. But yeah. it's kind of like a challenge, I guess. Yeah, um, it's definitely a challenge. I mean, I think I, I'd be lying if I was if I didn't admit to the fact that when we released the Belief Defect record, there wasn't some anxiety hidden inside of me, feeling like, oh, maybe. If I promote it through my usual channels, you know, it'll it'll be heard from a larger audience than if not mm-hmm. or something like that. And, but at the same time, I, I think I just really had to trust the music and just say, you know what, I believe in this album a lot. And I, I, we poured our our fucking hearts into that record as much as we could. And I'm just going to put it out and, and I just hope that it finds its way. And luckily it did. But I think yeah. even under the drum cell moniker, I, I haven't always just done techno. Mm-hmm. It was always kind of I've always experimented in between broken beat stuff and and noise and, and techno. Um, I think the only thing that really qualified that particular project to have a different name is because it's not all my music. Luis was a huge part of it as well. I mean, it's fifty fifty between the both of us, and and obviously we didn't want to do a collaboration type of record. We wanted it to have its own process, but. You know, the only other moniker that I really work under is the hypoxia thing, which is ambient. And mm-hmm. um, I promoted that stuff through my drum cell channels when I when I was doing it. Like, hey, this is my side project and I'm doing it. And uh, a lot of people love it. But then there's always the backlash of like, you know, the techno heads who just like they just want. They're like, exactly. what the fuck? There's no beats in yeah. this. This is boring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah but, you know. So, I mean, you know, people like it and they don't like it. It doesn't really fucking matter, but. At the same time, you do what you got to do, you know? Yeah, true. Yeah, it is sometimes difficult to, um, or not difficult, but it's, it's uh, you, you notice that um, even though, you know, musicians, um, or, you know, if you, when you talk to your friends or to fellow musicians or colleagues or whatever, you know, we are dealing with music 24 hours a day, right? So yeah. we are, we, we can make the stretch from one style or one approach to another very easily 
mm-hmm. but it doesn't doesn't always seems to be the case with uh, with an audience because they they like you for one thing and then they always want you to be that thing you know or always want you to be uh, you know doing more of the same and if if there is one thing that is, that we don't do is making the same thing all over again. Of course, I mean, you know what I mean? <laughs> everyone grows, everyone changes, everyone wants to do, you know, try out new things, whatever, you know. I've always I've always really deeply appreciated hearing techno DJs in specific what they can do outside of the of the of mm-hmm. the I wouldn't say boundaries or lines, but you know, coloring outside the lines of just, you know, just doing dance music. Um, In in the early 2000s, there was a radio station here in L.A. called Seeds of Chaos, and they used to play a lot of experimental music. And one day they played a record, which ended up becoming one of my top 10 favorite albums of all time. And I've said this before, and I'm sure you've heard this, Joachim, but it was your album, A Shocking Hobby. I mean, that record is fucking incredible. And then, like, you know, going back to see you playing live shows where it was just like straight up pummeling techno. And then going back and hearing that record and the diversity in between them was incredibly inspiring for me as an artist in general. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, and, I mean, uh, the, I, yeah, I, I've I've um, I've been in situations where where you know, especially in the early '90s, where um, things you know tended tended to if it, if a record became big, it became really big. You know what I mean? Because there yeah. were like tens of thousands of copies or and played played in clubs or all you know in that time you had hits you know like club hits yeah. you know p- records that everybody would play over and over and over again for a whole year you know you don't really get that as much as anymore but um so that it's cool in one end but on the other hand you know it was very easy to to get stigmatized or to be associated with a certain record or a sound um and um from the beginning i've always sort of ignored that you know what i mean i've always um I've, i haven't gone against it but i've always kept the liberty to change direction or to just find whatever would work for me at that moment without uh, even thinking about um you know trying to serve the people who would be into this other thing you did you know what i mean yeah. I've, I've always i've never really felt responsible for for that you know I've, I've always just be responsible for my you know i just felt responsible for my own stuff the, the direction i wanted to take and um yeah, yeah it's like it, it, and I, I i can't really help it you know i'm i'm easily bored i just always want to try something i haven't done before it doesn't necessarily have to be something that hasn't that hasn't existed before or a sound that hasn't existed before but i at least something which is new to me you know like a territory that i haven't explored or something that i'm really interested in trying out and that's that's basically the only thing that drives me, you know. Um, and um, sometimes you you cross paths with a certain group of people, and then after that you make a, a choice, and you kind of you know some some will follow you in the other direction, or sometimes you lose them, lose some of them, or gain gain another group of people, and you know that's that's just the way it goes. Um, and I I yeah feel comfortable enough to to do that, you know. I don't I don't want this to be a job you know yeah. <laughs> i want it to be fun <laughs> yeah, yeah. have you ever thought about revisiting the umfeld project um revisiting well umfeld. the thing with yeah the thing with umfeld was that um i really wanted to do something multi-channel audio you know in the multi-channel audio field and um at that time 5.1 was the consumer 
uh, version of multi-channel audio. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, basically all you would, could get was like Hollywood movies or really fucking crazy academic type stuff, you know, make, made at universities or very experimental, um, you know, our projects, you know, in, yeah, in the academic world. And uh, I thought, why don't I, why is nobody, you know, from our scene or who makes sort of, you know, more sort of understandable electronic music uh, using this this technology, um, and so I started to find out why, <laughs> and I did find out because it, is, it was a fucking hassle. It was just, <laughs> I mean, I, and and the thing is, you know, the funny thing is, right, right, I, I, you know, right after I finished, you know, New Window came out with, uh, you know, five one one panning and yeah. even other applications, and I had to, you know, work with programmers and you know, go, you know, f- use like really really sketchy. Uh, open source software, yeah. you know, uh, to, 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 yeah, yeah, to, you know, modify maximum speed patches mm-hmm. and, and, you know, make th- stuff in reactor to, to, you know, instead of stereo, make like six channels and, you know, do all kinds of weird shit, you know, just to get my stuff done. Um, and uh, I, I, I learned a lot of it. And actually, one, the one thing I picked up from it was spatial mixing is also very doable in stereo. Um, yeah, yeah. And it, it made me change the way I approach, um, you know, the sound field. Um, and even though the sound field is an illusion in stereo, because you have like a, it's it's basically just a single line between two speakers, and everything that it, that it, you hear in other places is an illusion. It's not actually coming from that direction. It's just somewhere, you know, it's coming from both speakers at the same time. But you can kind of, you know, you, you tricks your mind. You're thinking oh, it comes from the middle or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or a place mm. that doesn't really exist. And with yeah. with multi-channel audio, it's way more direct. So you can, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, instead of two D, it's three D because you have a field because there's also speakers yeah. behind yeah. you. So you can much more accurately pan stuff or move stuff into into the field that these five speakers create around yeah. you. And um, and that that way of looking at sound um, kind of uh, transferred into my stereo mixing. You know, there's all kinds of things that I learned from from that project that uh, that I yeah I guess what that I, I still what use I, what I mm. meant by update or like revisiting was I mean the the technology now is is a little bit more advanced than it was then you release that I mean everything is in 4K now you have even options within virtual reality and a bunch of stuff like that and I I still think what yeah. you did with that format was incredibly impressive and uh, it'd be interesting to see what you do with what's available now Oh, I I don't have a 5.1 setup at the moment, but um, and it's it's not on my list, you know. Uh, yeah. Right now, I'm yeah. I mean, uh, maybe I'll do something again. But the thing is, it's such a difficult thing to to uh, consume because who has a 5.1 setup? That's and um, even the people even the people who do, they've all all have it set up in a completely wrong way. You know what I mean? They have their, like their, their, you know, their center somewhere, you know, way too, too much in the back and the rear speakers, you know, on the ceiling or whatever. Uh, yeah. You know, so it's it's never it's never calibrated. And plus, you have to deal with listening to something like that uh, uh, with a, a larger group of people who can not always be at, in the sweet spot at the same time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's it's um, for touring. It was it was a challenge, but also even just for individual listening, um, you cannot you cannot trust. Uh, it, yeah. it gets it gets the you know you do all this all this extra work and there's all this extra um, you know effort to to make something very spatially interesting 
and then there's really very few people who can actually hear how you've imagined it you know um so it's yeah, yeah it's yeah what, what you said is uh, as you know i've uh i've done uh, a 5.1 surround project as well oh. and it was only like for a certain gig on the festival in germany and uh, i i spent for the first time that i did it uh, i spent like uh, two or three months preparing <laughs> and it was then for that gig for that one gig on that certain festival and only the people who were there experienced it as i as i intended it to and after that nobody was able to experience it anymore because you cannot record it either well you you can record it but then and as Jochum said is is most people don't have a system like that at home so it's 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 so so much work and hassle for like this little moment it's uh yeah <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, it's it's difficult, difficult. Yeah. yeah totally well, if anyone hasn't seen that shit, man, there's nothing better than lighting up a spliff and sitting in your bed and watching that. <laughs> yeah, true. Actually, warp my true. fucking mind. Have, have you have you have you actually heard it in five point one? I have, yeah. I mean, I have okay, five point okay. one set up in my in my in my room over here. Uh, okay. okay. I remember when it first came out. I had a five point one set up, and my friend Josiah came over to my house, and it was like a ritual. We just like. <laughs> We were like, all right, we got to get blasted as much as possible, and then put this on and just like totally go out. So yeah, it was incredible. Nice, nice. Okay, well that's good to hear that it, you're yeah, um, yeah. But I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't revisit it um, uh, mm-hmm. at the moment. You know, I mean, I still I still multi channel. I th- still think multi channel audio is is an interesting uh, field to to be working in. But um, yeah. Um, it's just not something for now yeah. not here and now <laughs> fair enough it'll be interesting to see where things go with like multiple even further d- dimensions now adding like actual virtual reality and like changing up environments entirely and i think we'll see a lot of that over the next year probably yeah i'm also curious because because you and like for- sonically how that will translate because they can kind of you know create i guess maybe like built-in sound systems that go with the headpieces as well. So it'd be really interesting to see like how far people push that over the next couple of years, I guess now sooner than later. Yeah, hmm. VR is safer than, than 5.1 because it's a, it's, a, it's a closed system, you know, like the, the, the Oculus Quest, for example, which, you know, there's no wires, the speakers are always there, you know, it's, yeah. it's, yeah. there's no way you can mismatch uh, or you can fuck up the, the technology, um, you know, as a consumer, you know, you have one way to, yeah. to wear these things and, and it's, um, that's how, how it comes out, you know? So it's, I, th- I think VR is very, I, I wish it was, I, I would have expected it, it um, especially with the Oculus, the new Oculus ones, you know, yeah. that it would have taken a, a more, much more uh, quick flight, but it's still a very niche thing slow. at the moment. Yeah. yeah. I actually purchased a, a set of Oculus uh, Quest headsets myself i was really interested in the fact that it was a standalone system and didn't need to be tethered to a computer mm. graphically i think it's still a little bit weak but yeah uh, it's like the nintendo wii for for yeah. vr you know what i mean it's yeah, like exactly. a, it's low tech but it, it has the full experience mm. and it and it does um what it promises you know it's not super definition yeah uh but it's it's a it's very a experience absolutely yeah it's yeah. very very much fun and it's and it's um Unfortunately, yeah. I think Facebook said that the, that if this didn't hit the numbers that they had expected it to hit, that they probably weren't going to continue to develop them. 
And I believe by now they have not hit those numbers. I think it's still a very niche market. And Mm -hmm. I think it's sad because I think it would be really be incredible to see what the next iteration of this Oculus Quest would be with a more advanced graphical system and it's still in a standalone headset, you know? It's also in times like this, you know, it, I, I, I feel that there, there is a, um, there's an open field for, for, uh, for VR at the moment to, uh, like, you know, the chats that we are having now with v- mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. in different parts of the world. Um, you know, there are, there are things like, uh, uh, what's it called? Big screen in, in, um, in the Oculus where you can go to a room where people are, where you can, you know, uh, watch a movie together or something, you yeah. know, with uh, several people at the same time. I mean, it's it's okay. a really it's a really good it's a really well not because you know watching a movie with four people is so much fun, but I mean the social aspect of VR um, could be, you know, something that could be like looked into, you know, to connect people and to mm. maybe for education or collaboration or whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah, they have a DJ app now called Tribe, which basically is um, for CDJ decks and a pioneer mixer and um okay and <laughs> the cd the cdjs actually work with um with record box so you can import all of your playlists directly into the vr headset and they work identically to real cdjs oh, wow. can you invite can you invite people to come yeah. to you to listen to you? oh wow okay yeah and nice. uh, when the <laughs> lockdown had first happened when i got back to the states before i went home my family urged me to sit in quarantine for two weeks. So I was in a hotel for two weeks in LA before I even actually went back to my house and I had the VR headset with me and I did a set one day actually. (laughs) Okay. And I invited all my friends on Facebook and it was, it was a laugh because I mean, it's a gimmick. It's funny, but uh, it's, it's impressive just to see how, how well this things work and the social aspect of it, being able to bring people into the room and watch you actually play music in virtual reality. That's interesting. <laughs> or it'd be cool to like sit in on sessions with your like producer friends and like make a track like as if you're next to them or something. That would be really awesome. That's not a bad idea. I mean, yeah. 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 I mean, what are we doing here? Yeah. There's, 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 there's a few softwares that just allow you to sort of just uh, upload like iterations of your project so you can just kind of bounce projects back and forth, right? But if you were to do that all real time, like with virtual reality, that would be awesome. Just like, yeah. and just, and then you also don't miss your friends as much. So. Yeah, true. Two birds with one stone. Yeah, I was, I was, uh, I was surprised by my own reaction when, when I started using uh, the Oculus, how, how easily your mind gets used to talking to people who are just avatars, you know. Yeah. I mean, you you know, it takes it takes a few minutes, but then you you completely forget about it, and and you just it's as real as in real life, even though they look like a, a robot or something, or a, <laughs> you know, or a zebra with a pink pink mohawk or whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's it's funny how to, how, okay. how how quickly your mind adjusts to that, you know, and how quickly mm-hmm. you accept that. Yeah, it's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I jumped in one time on VR and was playing poker. And I'm not a poker player in general, but <laughs> it was uh, it was interesting because you're sitting in a room with some guy from Dublin and another one from Australia and some guy in New York, and they're like sitting there talking about how shitty work was today, but everybody's in virtual reality. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. 
So let's see if there are any other... Yeah, I see some uh, couple of questions oh. uh, going on there. Okay, well, just grab them. And uh, can you can you do that or can I only do that my, from here? I okay. you can only do it. If you scroll a bit up, you see some a couple of more, I think. Which one were you talking about? Uh, let's see this guy, uh, one from a guy called uh, Renat uh, Rudivic who wants to start a modeler with Rex and he uh, basically asks what he would need well I think regarding a modeler that depends a bit what, uh, what you want to do with a modeler okay one thing just don't get more than four modules at the same time if you're starting yeah. out just get yeah. just get three or four and uh, and try to um, to find out how it all works and don't you know it's just something as basic as a vco and 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 a filter and um i don't know and uh, maybe something that sequence and then a vca or something like that you know and and just a basic um basic functions that you find in any synth really and uh you know don't buy you know a whole rack at the same time because you'll be scratching your ears for the for the next six months you know and just not get anything done yeah. so just take it one at a time one at a time is, is fine you know when, when you really really run out of ideas or get stuck or whatever you can buy another one another module but that's my <laughs> i think that's my advice don't don't throw yourself into uh, something you know you don't yeah, you can't learn at the same time, you know. I think uh, the only advice that I would give, and this is just learning from personal experience, is um, don't cheap out on buying a good case first. Yeah. Um, mm. A lot mm. of people sometimes will want to spend the least amount of possible on a small little rack system with a power supply. And, uh, I mean, it's fine, but I always found there's a lot of good solutions out there, and if you're going to start doing this and you're serious about it, it'd probably be best to do some research and find the best case that will suit yeah. your needs, that'll fit the most amount of modules, and the power supply will supply enough power to those modules, and you're not going to have issues with that. Um, all of that stuff. Uh, thinking ahead of time and buying a new case up front is going to really save you a lot of issues down the line. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. What about you, Sophia? Are you into Eurorack? Or uh, modular. No, I don't dabble into modulars whatsoever. Um, but you know, it's something that I've considered. Hmm. <laughs> Here we go again. Yeah, um, I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at right now. I guess I don't really feel like I need to expand creatively. And when I need that extra, you know, like level of then, then because otherwise I feel like you could just get stuck in this infinite loop of sounds, you know, and then you just, yeah, you're not true. really creating output. But I, I'm very fascinated by it and I have a lot of appreciation for people who do it, um, especially ones that really like perfect it as a craft. But I'm just personally, like I haven't dabbled into it enough. And I, I think when I do, I would want to get into it properly, you know. I, otherwise, I you know I have so many friends who've just bought so many modular pieces, and I feel like it's kind of a bad investment, you know, because there's there's one piece of synth that that you could buy that would give you way more, that you could generate way more from it and, and be productive with it versus you know. So uh, I'm not the best person to ask for modulars, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a time and money vortex. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. 
what, what, what I, when I started Modular, I thought like, okay, I'm first going to buy uh, a synth that, or uh, with a type of synthesis that I don't have yet. You know, oscillator-based synths, I have plenty here, uh, FM synths I have as well, so I wanted to buy, to buy something that I don't ha- already have in another form. And that, that, yeah. that, that, that has really, really helped me as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, who else are again? Or did you guys yeah. lose me? Forget it. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 we didn't. Um, yeah. I, you know, it's funny. I, I started building Eurorack modular systems like, I think I first got my system about 10 years ago. It had been 2010 okay. or 2009 when I started. Um, and I've, I, it's kind of like grown into a massive systems and then sold a bunch into smaller systems and then grown yeah. into massive systems and it's fluctuated. And at this point, you know, I have, you can't even see it in the camera right now, but it's on this side over here. I have one system that it just does everything I need. And I okay. speak to a lot of, a lot of guys in the Eurorack world who are always like, oh, did you hear about this new module? And there's this new module that does this. And oh my God, they put out a new version of this one. And I don't really care anymore because I think the system it's, that I have yeah, does but what it, I need and that's it. Exactly. Yeah. And if it works, it's, 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 it's fine, you know. I haven't yeah, bought a new module in probably two years now. Yeah. It's so hard to keep up with everything that's coming out, man. It's yeah. there. I mean, when it started, so, you had like uh, two or three brands, you know, uh, Dupfer, obviously, and Tip Top, and yeah. um, you know, and now it's like hundreds, thousands of brands, you know, that's and uh, and and there there are amazing modules out there. You know, there's just so much yeah. creative creativeness in this in this field, you know, in this scene. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's it's totally almost impossible to keep up with everything. Um, uh, yeah, true. I, I personally use it quite a bit, but always as part of the process. Not really. Uh, I'm not one of these people who makes entire, um, you know, compositions out of it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's definitely very, very uh, fun and um, uh, interesting way to, uh, yeah, to explore sound, you know, in general and get things that you would never get by, you know, with a hardware synth or something. You know, it's a uh, it's um, yeah. I, I love I love it, but it's um, I always try I always try to give myself an assignment. Okay, this is what I need from it right now, and then I'll yeah. uh, think think of a patch, you know, and try it out and see where if it does what I think it should do. And um, I just no don't, don't go. I don't sit there, you know. I'm not, never gonna be behind the motor and just sit there patching and see what happens, you know. It's I always have an idea for for a patch, you know. It needs to have a certain function, a certain signal flow. Um, and a sort of um, a frame of the desired result that I want it to get out to of it. You know? Serve a purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the thing the thing is, you know, working with a modular, it it really helps if you um, if you have an idea for a patch in in advance. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you basically you're designing your instrument, so you really you really. Uh, for me, it works if I if I know in advance what kind of instrument I want to design, rather than. Um, just you know, go there and just try random things. You know, sure, sure. Um, yeah. You can you can say, okay, now I want to do something crazy with you know in a percussion kind of area or something with you know bass and drones and stuff, or maybe something with um, uh, treatment of samples or you know. I, I mean, I I think with with some of these people who are really really highly um, you know very talented in in this field, like Richard or Colin. 
you know, uh, I, I think it's amazing, absolutely amazing what, what they're doing, but I do, just don't have the brain for it. I don't have the head for it. I'm too impatient. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting point, though, about timelines, Joachim, about kind of giving yourself a structure and like, otherwise, you know, it's just so easy to just go off tangent and just spend days and weeks just not finishing tracks, but just like giving yourself like a hard deadline. Like, again, same same with mixing, you know, that you can you can just forever try to get like a perfect sound and, you know, it's like just never ends. So how do you find yourself like, like, do you just give yourself like a deadline and say like, okay, you know, I've got to like. No, I didn't. I don't get. I don't. I don't give myself deadlines. But if I can't get, if I can't get something into a direction that I like within uh, a few hours, I dismiss it. Uh, you know, I just, mm-hmm. I just bin it. Um, I, I, or yeah, I mean, or I just save it as as a as a temporary version. And but you know, if 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 I'm not getting, if I'm if I'm not excited uh, throughout the first few hours of working on a new thing um yep. then uh, you know the excitement's got to still be there by the time it's nearly done you know if 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 you lose it halfway then you know, I'll, I'll just start something new starting something new is is always the easy thing you know um, yeah, totally. and and um and you know trying to make something into something that it is not is 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 really really hard work and it's you know um uh, in uh, totally yeah so, so the de- there's not really a deadline, but it, it's more like a, my attention span that takes care of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I have so, an, I have an issue of of constantly recreating the same patch when it comes to Eurorack stuff. Like I, I I tend to just like I think it's just a nature of of habit to just constantly go back and and use very similar concepts in my in my patching and I've found that to be very problematic and, and just in recent time just now that is we've that had it more time which is you in, in a certain direction yeah but I've been trying to like watch watch more tutorials on individual modules that I have in my system yeah okay right. to push myself to do different things so I'm not always constantly looping myself and falling into the same idea all the time because I I have like patches in my head that I can I can patch blindly. I don't even need to listen to mm-hmm. to it while I'm doing it. You know, give me a handful of cables and I'll throw them all in there and turn it on, and I can recreate a particular patch that I'm really comfortable with. But I'm trying to get out of that rut by learning new things about modules that I don't use and new concepts mm. of the way of patching a modular system and try to push myself into new directions as much as possible. What about what about using a patch once you have once you have patched it up i mean do you live with it for uh just a studio day or do you keep keep things patched up for you know days or even weeks because i found that if i have a really complex one going on and um i as long as you still remember what everything's doing um you you can get almost endless variations out of just a single patch you know you can you can yeah, you can just uh, keep that patch for for weeks or or even months, yeah. and, and just come up with a completely different uh, things out of this one thing. So it's um, something I use. That's a technique I use quite a lot. You know, I just make something, and if one once it's working, I'll keep it there for for a while. You know, and just find out what else I can do with it yeah. without even ever changing a cable again. Yeah, when you hit magic like that, you might as well keep it. And yeah, yeah, it as much as possible. You know. 
yeah, yeah. So I don't think you have to worry about just you know doing all doing the same patch every time you you patch something, you know, because um, you might you know one time you might get something um, out of it which is in the complete other direction of uh, of the next day, you know, or the, yeah, the day think, before. Yeah, yeah, and I think I mean that that alludes a little bit to to why I keep on going back to those patches is because I've. Re- I've gotten so many results out of that particular patch, so I kind of constantly go back to it. But after a year or two, when you're like used to the same patch, and it doesn't matter how many dynamic ideas you get out of it, you yeah, gotta okay. at some point be like, I gotta try something else. I've got, I gotta figure this out. And uh, I don't know. It's just something I've noticed recently when I was patching something. I was like, well, why do I always do it this way? I gotta try. I gotta figure out a completely different flow, and and maybe it'll spark a whole new level of of ideas for me. Cool. I think um, there was this, uh, hello, Ken, this question, this is, this, I just noticed that and I think we have already answered it. <laughs> so I just wanted to say hello to Ken. Thanks for asking the questions. Are some in the other chat as well? I actually know Ken. What's up, man? How you doing? Okay, then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me too. He's an, he's an interesting one. Yeah. Racing.dsn. A brain, a brain interface. <laughs> a brainwave module. The brain, yeah. There's a brainwave module. Well, there's, but, uh, well, yeah. I mean, there's some. There's not doing this with music, but there's like technology that is just dictating what's coming from your brain now, right? So it would be a similar process, I assume, to just translate it to music then. Yeah, I mean, this. There, there are all these. I mean, this, this idea of the. What's the thing? This this uh, Elon Musk is working on it as a Neuralink. I mean, that's yeah. that kind of that kind of technology that you can just jack your brain into you know into some you know a, a network or something or have have like a an actual wire running through your to your brain um, is be basically being promised since the fifties. You know, like uh, it's like this one of these science fiction ideas, and and there people are making effort to to develop these technologies, but yeah. Um, but in in terms of making music, I have no idea whether that should act, that is actually going to work because music is more like a bi-directional process. You know, I mean, you do something, you create something, and uh, you know, you you react at the same time with your brain to what you are hearing yourself do doing. Yeah. You know, and but I mean, there are all kinds of uh, ways you can you can make it more make input of your your thoughts more direct to um to the to the medium you're working with for example um you could easily use a microphone as an input for a drum machine if you convert the you know signal you know sort of make pulses in into a microphone you could program a drum machine like that which would i mean if you're a kind of person who has beats in their head you know you like doom, tick, tick, doom, doom, whatever, yeah. and you can and you can use that you can use that phrase to to actually trigger drum sounds. Um, that's quite possible. That's a more way more direct way to uh, to in to enter notes into uh, you know a sequencer than just tapping them out or even just drawing them in into uh, into a door or something or into a sequencer. Yeah. That could be very direct. And there's other ways you can imagine, um, you know. Um, and and at the same time, I think you know if you maybe that's something you can talk more about, Sophia. But um, to me, um, somebody who's who's very fluid on playing an acoustic instrument or a piano or a guitar or something, 
that is in effect um, a direct to brain interface because mm. um, nobody who who's who's uh, fluent on an on an instrument is actually thinking what they're doing they're just doing it yeah. because it's like a direct flow from you know yeah. it's muscle memories direct flow from the brain to the hands you know so it's almost mm. like a voice not even uh there's yeah i mean the the issue of, of interface is not even really happening there it's just a direct stream of consciousness yeah. into a how do you is that something you um yeah you, no totally can, well i yeah. i think it was really interesting the way that that question was phrased i guess because and then you started speaking about like like your levels of consciousness i guess and just like your ability to kind of like you just inadvertently like hear things in your brain like that happens to me quite often I guess it's like quite I, for me it's quite common I guess like you hear you hear something and it's just like you like you can track out a full you know song in your brain and so I think it's just like from intuition you know and then there was another question that was asked I guess about like making things in key like for me that's like just just mm -hmm. fluid I guess because it just just comes from iterations right just like you're the way you, your perception it just comes from like years and years of just like you're just like listening to it and you absorb it and I feel it's just intuitive I guess is short answer to your question is like I, I could translate directly you know I don't know from a technological standpoint or a scientific if that's possible but certainly like I've had moments where I just like I hear like you know chord progressions and then I just track it out you know and that just mm -hmm. that just comes very mm -hmm. naturally and and sometimes that could almost be a full-fledged track almost you know obviously like you know not fully but for me, that's a process that has actually worked, like hearing things in my brain and then just translating it to music, I guess. That's awesome. Yeah. Like sometimes, often, I just like, it's, I mean, it probably sounds ridiculous the next day, but like if I have something in my brain, I just like voice note it, you know, and I just, it's, it's to somebody else, it's like madness, you know, but like you kind of know like where things are or you just take notes, like, but I think, mm. I think it's more common, you know, I think sometimes, I think maybe just, not as aware of that it's happening, but I think it happens more frequently than than we than we actually know it does. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm not sure if I'd be capable of spitting out a a constant clock out of my brain if I was connected into a system like that. There'd be too much latency. <laughs> <laughs> too much jitter. Too much jitter. Yeah. <laughs> and and just yeah. drift off into oblivion. <laughs> 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 Oh, fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> well, I got a question for you guys, if you don't mind me asking. Sure. Yeah. Um, is there a particular piece of gear that is out that you currently don't have that you are currently lusting over that you'd like to obtain or use or utilize somehow in your production? Pulsar uh, 23. Yeah. I, would, I wanted to say the same. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. shit. Yeah, it, it looks like they win over there in Russia. Then, <laughs> I uh, uh, a couple of months ago, I just got the their their Lyra eight. You know, their yeah. their synthesizer, and it's yeah, I love it. It's uh, it's very unpredictable, but I love it. And if I see what the Pulsar twenty three can do, is uh, yeah, that's uh, also high highly on my wish list for sure. That Lyra eight has one of the most interesting envelopes I've ever used in my life. It's on or off. A mm. large knob just for two different settings. <laughs> anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what were you saying, Joachim? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just like, I just really like the approach um, of all these Soma Labs instruments. You know, um, 
they they're very playful and very unusual, but um, yeah, yeah. A, yeah, just a lot of fun. And and it, and the sounds c- coming out of these things is just are just incredible too. You know, I I really like them. Very yeah. Cool. And I saw yesterday he's working on yet another new synthesizer thing. Something I don't know the the neon or eon or something like that. He's, he's, he posted it yesterday. So yeah, a synth. Uh, yeah, a synth or something like a synth. But it's 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 on his website, I think, or on his uh, social media. Right. Because of course he's also in lockdown now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> everyone's brain, you know, he's, he's uh, yeah, he's, he's he's also developing again. So yeah. What about you, Sophie? Yeah. Is there anything? Hmm? Was there any gear that you've oh, been looking, looking at that's... Oh, you know what's funny? Uh, I, I was, like, totally, like, on the non-modular argument, but, like, secretly, like, I really wanted to get, like, the... <laughs> okay, this is where the truth comes out. Um, it leaks The Erica Sins, like, modular <laughs> rack, the black system, too. Yeah. Because um, it's... For somebody that's starting off, that wants to dabble in it. It's a really interesting piece, I think. So I've been kind of skirting around it, but like it is a pretty from sexy a distance. Piece of gear, I'll give but you, you know, one. it's mm-hmm. yeah. It just for like as somebody diving into it for the first time, something that's like comprehensive and like all in. You know, it's like could be could be a good way to you know. But it's a very large investment, of course. And yeah. maybe what Yochim was saying earlier, just starting off in pieces is always better than just going full force. But I think but I'm mo- that's my secret list. <laughs> I think I'm moving in reverse. And uh, one thing I can't stop looking for prices for online is the Nord G2. The Nord oh, yeah. Modular G2. Okay, nice. I never got the chance to play with one. A friend of mine, Serge, I has one, and he's killing it with it. And every time he shows me screenshots of the interfaces he's working on, I'm like, oh, dude, I really want one of those. Looks incredible. They are amazing, man. They are. Re- they really are amazing. Yeah. I-, I have the Micro Modular and... Um, even the what's it called the the Nordrack one, yeah. It's a very simple, very simple thing. Or well, not simple, but it's it's a very basic synth, you know. But it it it's um, it has some. You can get some incredible textures out of it, you know. It's um, it's virtual. What is it called? What's the name again for this? It's virtual analog or something. Virtual analog, yeah. Uh, yeah, and. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's gritty, it's a bit glitchy, but it's um, you, can, you can also make it sound very very warm and very you know uh, direct. You know, it's a it's an incredible instrument, still is. I love it. Cool. And um, yeah, Nord modulars are uh, yeah they are they are they're insane. They're, yeah. You know, it looks like a, a whole new world to dive into. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know how I missed that when it first came out. Mm. Yeah, put people in the comments are talking about Bukla. That's something I'll I'll get into when I'm retired, people. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's another, you know. I mean, instruments like that. I mean, I, I think, uh, you know, everybody, you know, everybody has Buklas. Friend of mine, Dennis Verschoor, by the way. Hello, Dennis. He says every hipster with a beard has a Bukla these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have a beard and I have a bukla back here too. So. Yeah, you have the you you have the music easel, right? Yeah, that's the easel. Well, that's, okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, well, that's that's not too bad. But if you really get into the the massive, you know, the two hundred series or whatever series, yeah, yeah, yeah that, you know, that's something you have to spend a year with, I guess. You know, before you even 
you know start to understand what you can do with it it's so powerful um yeah, i've been super fortunate I, to be able to play with one quite a bit my buddy alessandro mm-hmm. has a collection of 200 e systems and the original 200 systems so i've spent some time with him in his studio and i i still can't really fully wrap my head around it yeah it deserves it deserves um it's an instrument instrument that deserves your attention you know it, it you yeah. have to spend you have to really dive deep deep into it and uh, and spend shitloads of time with it to uh, to justify the purchase you know what i mean um but yeah maybe someday yeah I got my beard already, so I'm qualified. <laughs> Somebody in the comments section called me a typical LA hipster. I'm cool with that, man. <laughs> okay. But the easel, the easel is seri- is a serious mission. It reminds me of the EMS Synthi in terms of sound of it. It sounds yeah. it has this sort of rocky, um, you know, not I wouldn't say dirty, but it's it's very industrial sounding. I love I love the sound of the easel. Never never got one, but um, yeah. It's, it's, that's a beautiful instrument too. Yeah, it's you great. use it for uh, hypoxia stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I've done a handful of live performances with it. Um, I haven't really even utilized it in many techno tracks, but I've done like standalone okay. performances where I just take that and just go out to a tape machine or to the computer and just record mm-hmm. um, a set from it. But I, I feel like the oscillators are like unlike any other instrument that I have in my studio. Like, yeah. Especially when you start getting into the low registries, you get this very, almost kind of like a brassy baritone mm. kind of rumble and texture to it, and it's it's a beautiful instrument, and it and it plays well with with my blue sky reverb as well. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could easily do um, an album or even several just using that machine in a blue sky i guess yeah uh, i saw i saw um surgeon do a full live set with just the booklet easel once here in la and mm. i was surprised how how well he kept it like entertaining for an hour with just a single mm-hmm. patch and being able to morph and continuously like build on it over time mm. is it a uh, hard to control or is it are there a any unpredictable things that can happen when you when you play it yeah i mean it does have some rather unpredictable uh like randomized clock features that you can spit out of it i mean it's it, you can easily get into like the morton sabotnik realm of mm-hmm. just like you know constant evolving time signature changes and and the the gates on it and the envelopes are very percussive so you get these really kind of like almost like rim shoddy type sounds out of it and it, it goes for a long time but uh i've i seem to not be able to keep it that interesting for more than 30 minutes before i have to wipe the entire patch out and start over again mm. but i was i was just really impressed by how surgeon was able to continuously manipulate it over an extended period of time mm. nice yeah it's a, it's a it's a it's an instrument i've looked into it's a very it's a very cool thing but um it reminds me i mean i'm uh, maybe i'm wrong but it reminds me a little bit of the synthy and i've i've had a synthy for 25 years and i still get so much uh things i've never heard out of this thing you know it's um it's an endless uh it's so deep and so endless you know um so you know (laughs) 
it, and that that provides the kind of textures that I would you know want to get from an easel. So I I'm just holding off now. Yeah. <laughs> well, shit. If I had a a, a synthy, I think there was a lot of things in the studio I would no longer need anymore. Mm. I've always dreamed of having a synthy in my in my setup. Yeah, they're incredible. Yeah, it's an incredible instrument. I heard they started to rebuild them, like one-offs recently. Uh, EMS themselves? Yeah. There, there are these knockoffs, you know, like uh, Erica Sins that, that did a did a an synthy inspired uh, yeah. instrument. And, and there's and, a, a from Germany another. Uh, another company that also makes them but ships them in a pelly case now let mm. me let me try to uh, to look it up because it's uh, I, I also find a synthy very very interesting well but For if sure. they are if they are reissuing them Mo they 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 must be ridiculously expensive you know absolutely they, they're gonna, yeah yeah also no, I think I think yeah. it was starting in the 10k range, and I remember right. that there was a waiting list for it, and sometimes the waiting list would be like five or six to seven years just to get yeah. one built for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someday, in a distant dream. So, someday, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, when you ever make it over here, Mo, we should have a go at it. Yeah, as soon as I'm allowed <laughs> to get back on an airplane again. <laughs> <laughs> fingers crossed all right so anybody yeah. wow my screen just glitched out for a second are we hitting the two hour mark now something like yeah I think so yep. yeah <laughs> wow <laughs> last one was a bit shorter i think yeah it was yeah but it was long as well yeah <laughs> time goes okay fast. so any any last questions or things on your minds i don't see I'm, any in the i'm still trying to figure out the name of that german company for the sinti but um, <laughs> i'll send you that in a pm later on when i find it because yeah, i be find it really interesting yeah. Okay. I, th I mean, all I can say is thanks for inviting me to come and do this, man. This is super cool. Yeah, it was super fun, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for being there. It's a nice Absolutely. chat. Hopefully we get to do it together soon in person or sooner than later, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully. For sure. Yeah, well, this is a, this is a good second, um, you know, it's a good alternative, I guess. Totally. Totally. It's really nice to connect with everyone in this level. Yeah, I for feel sure. like any time we you. run into Thank each other, again. well... While traveling, we never get a chance to actually sit down and geek out and talk. Everyone's in a rush all the time. So, yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes it happens. Sometimes yeah. it happens. Yeah. Word up. Okay. Well, guys, thanks for joining. And uh, thank you. And um, yeah, see you thank next you. time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. <laughs> and thanks to everybody who's. And thanks for your questions. And. Um, <laughs> <laughs> See you next time. Okay. All right.